Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Minister Reagan or Minister Hampton coming to you on my new podcast. This is my first episode that I'm actually recording, and I'm pretty excited about what God is doing. Um, My goal here is to discuss uh, current events and uh, bring inspired talks to you uh, from the throne room and uh, just kind of elaborate on that. And I hope that it blesses you and gives you insight and healing and just whatever you need. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be holy and acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So God gave me this topic a couple weeks ago. Um, as I was driving, and he wanted me to talk about covered candles. So this word is going to be covered candles and unseasoned saints. Our scripture is going to come from Matthew verses five. I'm sorry, chapter five, verses thirteen through sixteen, and it reads, "Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted?" It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Amen. So once again, unseasoned saints and covered candles is what we're discussing today. Um, Let's go back to verse 13, where it talks about ye are the salt of the earth. And where it says ye are the salt of the earth, it's actually talking about the saints, the, the Christians, the believers. We are being compared to salt uh, in this scripture and you know salt is good for uh, seasoning Um, it's a spice it has other uses Um, people use it to uh, epsom salt actually to soak their feet Um, salt can also be used with um, like some lukewarm water mix it together and you can actually gargle it and it'll help actually soothe a sore throat But in this particular case, it's talking about as seasoning. And, you know, if you go to the the market and you see meat that's for sale and it has seasoning all over it, that's usually a sign that the meat is starting to get old. And so what they do and what this has been something that has been done for many of uh, many years um, in our history, when the meat started to get old, they would put the salt on it to help preserve the meat to make it smell better, that type of thing. So in the next part of that scripture, it says, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? So nobody likes bland food. You know, if you eat something and it hasn't been seasoned or is under seasoned, you know, nobody likes the taste. Uh, When you savor something, 
you want it to uh, have a good smell, a good taste, and you want it to be pleasurable um, when you eat something. So when stuff starts to lose its savor, that means it becomes spoiled. It's not as fresh. It can actually, you know, be harmful, um, unpleasant to taste, or even have a bad smell. And some of us are becoming like salt on spoiled meat. Um, we're trying to preserve our freshness when we don't have any flavor. We don't have any spice. We don't have any kick. So the scriptures that came to mind when I was actually looking at these verses last night, um, I have a couple of them here. Proverbs 26, 11. Because I thought about, um, you know, when you get some food that's bland or doesn't taste well, you know, the first thing that you want to do is like spit it out. Um, you might cough or you might gag on the food or you might even vomit um, depending on, you know, your gag reflex. But Proverbs 26 and 11 states, as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. And I'm not trying to call anybody a dog here. Um, I'm just looking at this in terms of um, the food being unpleasurable or we as believers or as Christians um, losing our saltiness, losing um, even I want to go so far as to say our holiness. And so we go to our vomit or we go back to the things that we have been delivered from. And in some cases, some of us have never received any deliverance. So it's not that we're returning. We just have uh, not been uh, regenerated. So we keep going back to our mistakes. We keep going back to foolishness, um, things that are displeasing to God, things that don't uh, make us very good representatives of Christ or the one we say who saved us. And I do believe it's possible to be saved and and not be regenerated. Um, some people just get saved and that's it. There's no regeneration. There's no renewing of the mind. There's nothing that takes place um, to uh, cause them to stop going back to those things from which they have been saved from. The other scripture was in Revelations, Revelations 3, actually, and it's verses 15 through 16. It says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So basically, um, this scripture came to mind because I thought about, uh, again, the salt the, being a spice, the seasoning, the flavor. You know, we are the flavor. We are the salt. We are uh, the chosen. We are God's people. But if we are neither hot or cold, we're just like 
somewhere in the middle. You know, we might, um, you know, we might share a word or witness every now and then, but um, we might crack our Bibles open uh, maybe uh, once a month or on church, or on, you know, when we go to church only on those type of things. But we're not hot. We're not on fire uh, for God, but we're not we're not cold either. I mean, we're just somewhere in the middle. And because we're lukewarm, uh, which is not pleasing to God, it says here that he will spew you out of the mouth. You know, he's going to spit you out. And so we don't want to be those things. We want to um, we want to be the salt of the earth. And basically, um, you're ineffective. Um you're you're worthless you're you're not any good only to be cast out and what to be trodden underfoot of men so as we move on to verse 14 it says that we are children we are the light of the world and the reference that i thought about was this was first Thessalonians 5 and 5 which talks about um being children of the light and let me go there real quickly Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Also, uh, Genesis 1 and 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness now, I know God was in, in this point, he was creating the heavens and the earth, but it still, um, to me, brings to mind uh, this topic simply because we are light. We are not darkness. Um, light is good. Um, and so we should be illuminating uh, that light. Now we now first we were talking about salt. Now it's saying that we are the light of the world. So we should be lighting up the darkness, right? So a city, which is in uh, the next part of this verse, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So I looked up the definition of a city um, and, it, and it said that a city can have anywhere from 1,500 to 50,000 inhabitants. So you got to think of all the people in the world who, um, you know, profess a hope in Christ and say that they're believers. We're like a city with all these people in it, 1,500 to 15,000, one person. But when you think about it in terms of everybody, everybody in the world who says they're a Christian, we should be having more of an effect than what we are. So just think about it. all the cities in the world, and we're, we as his people, as his, his children, as his salt um and yet our influence the church's influence is fading 
Uh, a gospel singer once said that the city has the church around it. But nowadays it's more like the church has the city around it. There's like literally a for sale sign. Like we've sold out to um, worldly, worldly desires, worldly things, um, things that the world, um, uh, you know, desire and run after. And that's what we've become. We sold out to sin. We've sold out to our flesh. Um, there's a sign that reads now foreclosed. Um, we stop making our payments, uh, sort of speak. Um, um, we don't give God what we owe him. We owe him our lives. We owe him our praise. Um, in him, do we move, live and have our being? And we, we foreclosed on that. The sign now says lot for sale. We're on the outskirts of the city. You know, we've been exiled like the children of Israel. They were exiled. So verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. So, I mean, like, you know, why would you hide a candle? You know, most people love candles. You know, um, not only does it give light, but most of them have a fragrance and it's a sweet Nice, pleasant smell. And to put that under a lamp, to hide it, it just defeats the whole purpose. So if we are going to be um, a light, then it needs to illuminate. It needs to, it needs to be seen. Um, and this is the point that I'm getting at, covered candles. A, a lot of us have covered our candles. We have put it under a light. We have put it under a, um, a lamp. We put it under a, a bushel to where nobody can see it, where like nobody even knows. You know, some of us are only, we're only saved on, on Sunday when we go to church or uh, if we go to church. We're only saved on those days, but Monday through Saturday, you know, it, it, it's something else. You, you wouldn't even know it. And some of us don't even make it off the parking lot good, um, before, you know, before it's gone. So it's like the, the word just went, came and went right out. Like we didn't retain anything. We didn't hold on to anything. Covered candles. Revelations talks about um, the seven churches, and um, it was saying how he had one thing against them, and that they needed to get things right, or he would remove their candlesticks. And in this second part of this verse, it says, but on a candlestick and it giveth life unto all that are in the house. Now I love um, the pulpit commentary. I like Matthew Henry, but particularly the pulpit commentary um, is one of my favorite commentaries actually. And, and what this means when it says that he'll come quickly and remove your candlestick, um, like this removal is like dethroning the church, canceling its claim to the kingdom, it's severing its union 
with Christ. Now, of course, this is a spiritual removal and not actually a spiritual removal. The scripture reference that I have for this is Luke 17 and 21. And it says, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Um, and it says in the previous verse, uh, the latter part, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. So the kingdom of God is on the inside of you. Now, in this particular uh, commentary, it said that there are like three primary ways people interpret this scripture. And one of them is that he literally lives on the inside, which is the one that I believe um, is true uh, or the most relevant. Um, but also that he is at your reach and that's granted that you are uh, saved and that you are living right. And then the other is it's in the midst of us, like the presence of Jesus is around us. So um, the example that they give about that is anytime you see somebody casting out a demon or somebody uh, receives a, a miracle or a special type of healing, right there, you, you are actually seeing the kingdom of God uh, in your midst. It, uh, it's taking place. It's around you. It's in the midst of you. So when we talk about Give me one second here. Let me get back to my scripture. When we talk about him removing your candlestick, he, he's talking about not being, uh, not living inside of you, the, the indwelling, the, he, he's no longer there, uh, which makes sense because God cannot dwell inside of you if you have all this sin and all this mess inside of you. So yes, in this case, he will cancel your claim to the kingdom. Doesn't mean that you're not still saved. He just can't dwell. The kingdom of God cannot dwell on the inside of you with all this mess. So we move on to verse 16, and I'm actually almost done here. Um, Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men. So we're supposed to be shining our light. What is our light? Our light is, uh, is Jesus. It's, it's our Lord and Savior and what he's done for us and how we, help, how we help others and how we treat others and our actions as people of God. Um, I think in one... Uh, commentary or study it said that it's basically getting back to your first love getting back to your first love the scripture goes on and see that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven 
So we want we want the world to see our good works. We want to, them to see us operating in these good works so that what will happen, so that God can get the glory out of our lives. The glory is not ours. It's his. And so somebody might be saying, well, you know, I hear you, uh, Minister Reagan. I hear you, Revy, Ray Ray, but um, I go to church every Sunday. You know, it's people out here that don't even go to church. Okay, I'll give you that. You go to church every Sunday, but are you changed? Are you delivered? Are you set free? Well, I sing in a choir and get my praises and all that stuff to God. But what do you sing after church? What are you listening to on the radio? What's on your playlist? Do those songs edify God? Do they glorify God? Well, I usher every week. You know, I'm on the door. You know, I, I you know, I escort people to their seats and stuff. Okay. But who are you letting take a seat in your heart? What are you letting take a seat in your heart? Well, I'm coming to church when I get it together. Um, but it's been 10 years. When are you going to get it together? Well, I don't have nothing to wear. I don't have no church clothes and stuff. And, you know, the church, you know, it's a show and all this stuff right now. And, and I don't have nothing to wear. But you're wearing hurt. You're wearing pain. You're wearing unforgiveness. You're wearing lying. You're wearing hate. You're wearing jealousy every day with no remorse. So, we, you know, we're letting these, these little things, these little excuses really get in the way of us letting our light shine, uh, letting us, preventing us from uncovering our candles, preventing us from being seasoned saints. And so I asked God, I said, well, God... Why are people, why are we not um, having that effectiveness? We're, well, we're losing our flavor. We, we, you know, we're not the salt. Uh, we're not effective. We're not operating the way we should. And he led me back to the beginning of Matthew, uh, to the um, Beatitudes, basically starting at verse 3 which says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So the first thing he's saying is we're not humble. We're wild. We have no self-control. We say whatever we want to say. We go wherever we want to go, and we do whatever we want to do. We're entitled. Um, we think somebody owes us something. Uh, we're ungrateful. You know, we don't appreciate anything. Verse four, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's no mourning. We don't cry out to God anymore. We're callous and hard-hearted. Um, we don't even cry when tragedy strikes. We see all kinds of tragic stuff going on, and it's, it's like, oh, well, you know, on to the next thing. It doesn't even affect us anymore. No compassion. 
verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we don't have any meekness. We're loud. We're easily offended. We're touchy. Um, we can't take any constructive criticism. Um, the first time we find out somebody talking about it, you know, we're ready to fight. Um, you know, we're also quick to want to confront all kinds of stuff that is not representative of the light. Verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So we don't have any thirst for what's right. Like we know better, but we don't do better. Like God say, don't go over there. We go anyway. God said, stay away from that. Don't touch that. We go over there. We touch it anyway. God says, give that to me. Surrender that to me. Submit that to me. We don't want to do that. We're but we're quick to run to sin. Um, we're, but you know, there's a thirst. We are thirsty. But we're thirsty for anything and everything except God. For instance, money, riches, worldly riches, worldly wealth. Uh, relationships. We want these uh, special relationships. Um, and instead of uh, seeking God, we, we seek the world. Um, we, we seek uh, worldly pleasures. We run after worldly pleasures. And, and we, we run and we participate in uh, demonic rituals. And then we wonder why we get no response from God. And God is saying, well, go ask your uh, uh, Facebook God. Go ask your TikTok God. You know, go ask, you know, this whatever God small g god go ask them tell them to help you ask them to heal you come on ask ask them for that relationship because you're not seeking me you're 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 looking in all these other places the next one verse seven blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. We don't have any mercy. Something unfortunate happens to somebody, especially if it's somebody we don't particularly care for. And the first thing we say is good. Or that's what they get. Or we want to know what they did. They had to do something so bad. And that's why um, they uh, they going through that. Because they, they did something bad. We're unrelenting. We're vindictive. And here's the, the problem what I have with that. I, I just believe that God has better things to do with his time than to say, okay, well, you just you just wrong somebody 
or you just said something that you shouldn't have said. And so now uh, when you go outside, uh, I'm going to see to it that you trip and fall or I'm going to see to it that that you have a car accident immediately falling, following this. And, you know, God is not petty. And we make God out to be a lot of things that he is not. And we give a lot of credit to things that's not the devil, really. In all actuality, it is God. And some of the things that are happening in your life or that are not happening in your life is because we have stopped letting our light shine. We have covered our candle. We have become unseasoned saints. We are no longer his salt. We are no longer the light. We have a light, but it's a strange light. All right, moving on. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we're not pure. We're cold-blooded, cold-hearted, full of envy, bitterness. We have hearts of stone. We're unforgiven. We're guilty as charged. You know, not pure at whatsoever. Just, you know, our hearts are just black and dark and full of corruption and they're corroding. Because we're missing out on on what the true blessings are. Yes, God will bless you with things. He will bless you with stuff. He will bless you with money. All the things that you desire. Because God does what? He withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly. You have to be walking uprightly. You have to be doing uh, those things. And how how do you how are you blessed? You Right here in the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. These are your blessings right here. Uh, and it's not this is not an exhaustive list, but I'm just saying uh, these are ways to be blessed. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they had... For they shall be called the children of God. So we're not we're not peaceful. We're full of strife, contentions, always fighting, always combative, always on a defensive, you know, um, unrest, can't sleep at night. Um, we're tormented. And that's probably a good reason why, you know, we can't sleep because you have no peace. And what does our word say? I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Your mind is somewhere else. Insomnia. Verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Well, what is persecution? It's suffering. It's suffering for, for, uh, for, for Jesus, for God. First of all, we don't want to suffer. Nobody wants to go uh, go through anything. We want the anointing. We want uh, the blessings. We want all of that, but we don't want to suffer. Uh, we got compromise. 
disobedience. We're not submissive. We've got sin. We don't have, uh, we no longer have potential or we do have potential. It's not going anywhere. Uh, we're not a threat. The devil don't bother you um, like that because you're not a threat. He already got you. And when something does happen, you don't realize it because he's already got you. So it's just another day in the life for you. You don't even recognize demonic attack from all those other uh, demonic rituals that you participate in. We're status quo. And we're not separate. So people see us and, you know, there's no light. You know, you can have a... a that glow, there's a, a glow, a Christian glow, a Christian light about you. And a lot of us, our light has dimmed uh, if it hasn't gone out already. You know, we're not able to see it. But our light is supposed to shine. We're a city on top of a hill, you know, like a, a, a tower. Uh, I read that a tower can be 14 feet tall and that's how big we are supposed to be that's how big our light is supposed to shine and it's just not happening we have become overcome by the world and you know don't take this the wrong way you know I heard myself in a lot of this a lot of this and we have to uh, get this right. And so they're like, okay, so um, what do I do? What do I do, minister? How do I, how do I get this right? Repent. Turn away from sin. Go back and pick up Jesus where you left him. That is all you have to do. Is is come back to God. He's waiting for you. He's not like people who will just cast you to the side and be done with you. You can repent and and watch God begin to turn things around in your life. Watch that light begin to shine again. And, you know, people will tell you something's different about you. Something's changed in you. But you, got, you have to make the change. Um, He's not going to force you to do it. it. It's something that you have to want. God loves us so much that he gives us a choice. We can choose whether or not if we want to follow him or if we want to follow someone else. So to sum it all up, we need to get back to our first love. We need to make sure that we are letting our light shine. We're letting it illuminate, not for our own glory, but so that God can get the glory. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And that's what we need to be doing. 
lifting up the name of Jesus, not just on a particular day, um, not um, just when we kind of feel in that way, but it should be a lifestyle. Your life should reflect that. We have to maintain our saltiness. Because it is up to us to show the world that God is real. And there's so much stuff out there that's already convincing people that he is not. Um, I watched the TikTok videos, even on the TikTok videos, they're making a mockery of the church. I know they think it's all uh, fun and all that, but they're making a mockery of the church. Um, every other video, they're showing people shouting. You know, shouting has become a fad or, you know, who can do it best or, you know, that type of thing instead of something that, uh, the spirit just hits you with. And to me, it's some things are just sacred. You know, if somebody is praising God, um, to me, that's something that the whole world doesn't need to see. Not to the level where it's being displayed. Sh uh, put the word on there. Don't show me somebody shouting. That could be flesh. Put the word, put the word on there. If you're going to put a post a video, post a video of the word. And not all this flesh, you know, so we're losing our savior and we need to uh, take it back. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for the word that went forth. God, I thank you that somebody will grab a hold of this word and that it will penetrate their very soul, God, um, that they might uh, repent, that they might want to make a change, that they might want to get back to their first love, God. So, God, I, I thank you, God, for using me, God, to be the one to put your word out there, God, your words, God, your inspired words, God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it. I'm I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.